That was slightly longer than anticipated. Still pretty short. How long did it take you? Uh, I mean, uh, not more than an hour and a half, I would say. Really? Maybe I just don't have an accurate impression of how long it took me, because I feel like I, I was done in under an hour, probably. Huh. I've, I really, really... I did my best to see everything on the map that I could. Oh, so you went all the way around? Yeah, I clicked on all the stuff. Whatever stuff there might have been. Maybe I missed it. How much of that ancillary things did you see? Uh, I really only found the dude playing guitar. Yeah. Uh, there's a dude playing a guitar. There's a church you can go into if you go around the back. And in it is a tape recorder playing hymns. There's a museum that you can walk into that has uh, displays of birds, like dead birds. Or it, it's like an ornithology display and it's got real live bird wings in it, some of which have exposed bone or missing feathers. Trying to think of what other. There's one thing you can go in that's an actual different scene where you see two guys pushing a small plane down a runway and they just sort of keep pushing it until they're off the screen and then you can drive away. A lot of just kind of weird stuff like that. Kind of weird stuff like that is the yeah. perfect segue. <laughs> of no determinate purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of weird stuff like that is the perfect segue into saying the title of this game. That we're talking yeah. about right now. Which is Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah. Which everybody says is like David Lynch the game. I guess maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I think they say that because it's weird. And a little bit non-linear. Which is kind of a shame. Because I feel like it's not really... I mean, I guess it is like David Lynch, or maybe he's just the most popular analog for this kind of experience. But I feel like it maybe is more accessible than a David Lynch movie or TV series because it has less creepy sex slash <laughs> just creepiness. Tiny. Have you seen Mulholland Drive? Yes. I mean to say specifically like tiny old people. Yeah, around. appearing out of, you know, clouds of smoke. I don't want to spend too much time talking about David Lynch because I don't think I've cared for much of the things that he has done uh, in the same way that I think I care about Kentucky Route Zero. It remains to be seen Yeah, because this well. is only the first chapter. But th <sighs> there are some good seeds in here that I would like to see grow and kind of appreciate the whole plant. That is the issue... Is the blessing and the curse of episode, episodic games, I guess. In that it leaves you titillated and wanting more. But at the same time, you're kind of just like, well, I don't know if I like this. See, I even might. if I knew it was... Com even if this were complete, say this was somebody's project, mm -hmm. and they had produced Kentucky Route Zero Act 1, you knew there was never going to be a follow-up. I think that might make it a little bit easier to interpret the game, because it's it's one... Piece. And I guess, you know, we talk about episodes of shows. But it feels a little different here uh, because it's so, I don't know, sparse in its narrative in that there may not actually be a narrative or there is a narrative. Well, but that yeah. is clearly not the point. Like you are, 
you are not just an antiques uh, delivery guy. Yeah, there's enough. There's enough repeated snippets to give you the impression. I mean, surely it could be pretty much anything, but there's enough mentions of an accident and alcohol, and you. you I think you go into these things kind of primed for the realization that. Something bad has happened in the character's past. Mm-hmm. So, I got the impression that, I don't know, why does he have his boss's dog with him? I'm pretty sure this guy maybe got drunk and died in an accident where he killed the two people's mom and dad. Maybe. But, but then maybe I'm the totally parents... wrong. I'm kind of hoping for a total break from that mm-hmm. kind of straightforward storyline. Well, yeah. And I'm hoping... Kind of... Sorry, go ahead. In, in that sense, it's kind of like the Silent Hill games, mm. where every game post-Silent Hill 2, you're like, okay, where's the point where it's going to tell me that he killed his parents or something like that, or he killed his brother? Yeah, it would be refreshing to see it go the other way, just for a change of pace. Yeah. But I, 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 I what I was kind of hoping for is not just like a, you know, oh, it would be great if they just didn't play out this regular old story i kind of hope that there is no story that you're just following these different threads uh through the idea of history and nostalgia and uh, a fragmented image of the past because that's kind of what you get from kentucky route zero act one because he takes you through this old kind of impossible gas station the the equus oils yeah so it's got, you go down the really big spiral staircase. Yeah, and there's people playing some kind of board game down there. And, you know, you go and find their iridescent die and return it, and they've vanished. So there's, like, this calling back to the, the, the history of gaming or, you know, video games being born out of uh, pen and paper games of the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it, it gets even broader than that because he also takes in this whole kind of image of the South – You've got the old coal mine that flooded the the spirituals and what it was like to be in the mine and having to do things like pay to have the mine ventilated. It's just it's really kind of a Is that something real? I don't know if it's real, but I do know that there are like in the history of mining, dick stuff like that totally happened. Oh yeah. Well that's the thing. Well, it seems real enough that I believed it was plausible just because miners have had such a shitty lot. <laughs> That I was like, okay, I buy it, because she the she talks about them getting scrip and then having to use the scrip to pay to have the mine ventilated. Yeah, well, they would pay to get these tokens that you would feed into a machine to that would then you know allocate enough electricity for you to turn on the fans that ventilated the mine. And then when the mine is flooded, everybody dies because they could not ration the electricity enough. Such that they could use the pumps to clear out the water, and the the sort of the the inherent, um, kind. I mean, the inherent irony of that in that you know much of coal production in the modern age, and I'm assuming you know through the 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 late fifties and sixties was already being used, uh, or was already being generated through coal power. So, so these guys are digging electricity out of the ground essentially, and they can't get enough of it. To save themselves, yeah. and they're they're kind of just drowning in it anyway because they're forever poor. It's I yeah I mean there's all kinds of stuff like that in this game that uh, I don't know. 
I, I, the more I talk about it and the more I think about it, the more I like it. When I was playing yeah. it, I was kind of uneasy, but it's like, I don't know. Mm. I feel like it's like a lot of novels and that you, you go through it once and maybe you don't get it all the time, but then when you start bouncing ideas off of other people, yeah, it kind of, you get focus. But what about, it's, a, sorry. it's interesting because it's not scary. Definitely. But it definitely does make you feel unease. Yeah, like you sit in initially. that game. And there's a lot of man. What you, it's a shame you didn't see the church because. Well, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go it, back and it, find it. It is cool because when you get there, you hear uh, you hear the sounds of the the spiritual going, mm-hmm. and then you you explore around the church, and they progressively gets louder, and the front doors are locked, so you go in the back, and you end up in the kitchen, and it's a little louder, and it's really staticky, and then you get in there, and then it's at full volume. And you find the tape recorder, and then you can turn choose to turn it off or just leave. And I turned it off, and then the music just stops abruptly. Mm. So they do a lot of really cool stuff like that with audio. And a lot of stuff that's weirdly out of place, but you're just comfortable with it. Like when the band shows up and just starts playing a song yeah. as you're leaving the farmhouse. And then the, the, the field of view gradually widens so that you can see the silhouettes. Of the whole band playing the song, and you can just sort of hang out. Did you there. find the other tape recorder in the mine? Uh, no, because I felt sort of rust at that point. I was like, "Man, I really thought this game would have been over by now." So, <laughs> so I just went straight ahead when you get to the turntable, and that was the only time in the game where I, I didn't choose the option to look about more. There's another tape recorder that sort of it it goes into the, or you get a little vignette that explains the the anthropological interest in old folk songs from that era, which they kind of call the spirituals folk songs, but I think either mm-hmm. description kind of matches. Uh, and yeah, so there's, there's another one of those things in the mind. So I didn't completely miss out on that experience. Although so I will it, go cruise around and try to find the church. So did it, does the tape recorder, is it actually voice? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head now. Hmm. Man, that would have been really cool because most of the game is not, or there really isn't. I don't think any of the dialogue is voice. Well, no, no, no. Nobody speaks. It's all text. But the tape recorder yeah. itself uh, is is basically playing a song, and oh, so then okay. the conversation about oh, what's going on because you're, you're in the mine with the the daughter yeah, of Shannon. miners, and she's explaining to you why this tape recorder exists and why it's down here, not why it's still functional in a flooded <laughs> well, mind. don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, it's just the logic is so dreamlike that you're Yeah. I think that stuff goes out the window almost immediately. Yeah. Well, ba- well you go down that rickety staircase in the gas station. That's Well, I feel like as soon as the tall. as soon as you get to the and also, I mean, it's kind of weird when the people disappear, but also when you are entering the computer password. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and you get to compose your own poem. Yeah. That that password is airtight. Yeah, nobody nobody's cracking that even with brute force. No. It would take billions of years to crack <laughs> the like, password that I created for like this little DOS characters. input GPS thing. I I kind of really got a kick out of that. How when you're yeah. you're asking the computer for directions and it's all text. Mm-hmm. It's like this is something yeah. out of Brazil. I, I, I really liked it. Uh-huh. And not Brazil the country. I'm not being yeah. racist and claiming that they're backward. It's Brazil the movie. <laughs> they're still using Sega Genesis. You freaking jerks. <laughs> I did really... Man. I actually really... So I really liked the sound. And I also really liked 
just the way it would transition the scenes gradually, mm. especially especially when you go into the farmhouse and you you go up the path and the the zoom widens yeah. or gets tighter as you go up but not only that you go into the farmhouse and then the lights in the farmhouse light up and you can see inside and then you turn on the TV and it zooms out to that barn in the background so i really like the things that did like that and i like when when games kind of just work with this uh i don't know the sense of occlusion that things are revealed and then taken away as you move around and for what is effectively an adventure game to be like you know because all adventure games basically just use the same static camera for every scene like any of those space quests lucas arts anything it's always just you're looking at it straight on and the character moves around the screen but not not a lot really changes yeah i got so the just, um I never played this game, but uh, not I've never played Kentucky Route Zero. I played that obviously, but it reminded me a lot of videos I watched of Sword and Sword and Sorcery, the iPhone. Oh game. yeah, oh Sword and Sorcery is really cool. And then, so I got a lot of the same feel, like this stripped down, really kind of um, I don't know, just artsy eight bit or sixteen bit game. Yeah, is that? Uh, so Sword and Sorcery had some really neat moments of tension, and I think the the cool thing about that game was the way sound worked. Maybe it's just due to listening to it on headphones, but at a couple points you have this punch-out style fighting system, and you've got to fight this dude who's got a sword and a shield, and he like bangs on the the shield with his sword. And the sound effect was so loud and so scary that it was really jarring. That's actually a really good comparison and pretty obvious. And I did play that game, so it's funny that you would think of it <laughs> having not played it. <laughs> well, I mean, I had a kind of visual key in my head, especially when you ascend the hill. Uh, because that kind of movement where uh, your character never leaves frame and then the, the screen shifts. You're not playing like yeah. Kung Fu or Ninja Gaiden where you reach the edge and then it scrolls over or scrolls up. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the farmhouse is obviously the best example of that. But I also like the transitions that go on with um, the turntable in the mine, where the mm -hmm. whole level kind of spins. Yeah, I... I. Yeah, that is the one thing I did not see. Yeah, dude, you gotta... I mean, I'm gonna go back and find the church, but you gotta go back and do the turntable stuff. It is... Mm -hmm. It's pretty dope. And did you turn the lights out so that when you were sparking, you could see the dead miners? No. I, I didn't even think of that. Do it. I knew you. Go. That's, I knew you could. Turn when you out the say lights. it's eerie, I like almost. I mean, I didn't really freak out because I knew it wasn't that kind of game. But I had a little Resident Evil moment, yeah. where I was like, "Ooh, shivers!" Because huh, if you turn out the cool. lights on the minecart, and this is this probably counts as spoilers because half of this game is really the presentation. So you, by listening to this podcast, you will not be experiencing it for the first time. Uh, and I'm kind of sorry for that because I'm I'm a little spoiling it by telling you this, but yeah, if you flip off the lights, uh, the the cart's contact with the wire will spark intermittently, and as you descend down the path to the point where she talks about it being flooded, you see ghostly forms pop up in the sparking of the contact. Hmm, it's really cool. I I found it a little creepy when she goes off by herself to check into the mine. Yeah, well, imagine ghosts, the and then her wandering off. 
I was like, yo, this game's about to turn into some serious murder yeah. mystery shiz. It's going to get dark. Well, then I've, uh, when he comes out by himself, I got this twinge of like, what has happened here? And is my character a murderer? Yeah. And then he, she comes out immediately after. That's kind of why I hope the game doesn't kind of follow the path that we have set forward for it. Because I, I kind of want it to keep being new. It's a very yeah. kind of new experience. And I, that probably sounds kind of lame and not that much of a recommendation. Like, is it actually fun? Well, I had fun, but is it only fun because it's novel? I don't know, but it was still really fun. And I, I really hope that it remains to be that that surprise throughout the arc that the remaining five acts are. That's the benefit of uh, like the super, super short games that are only like an hour long is that they're so short that they can expand on pretty much whatever premise they want. And because it's only an hour, you're willing to give them the time of day. And you don't feel like you've wasted your time mm. sort of puttering around. And it, I really like that most of the game is in text. It is effectively a text adventure. Yes. That has pictures. And I guess that's not really something that I would imagine would still happen in this day and age. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's why it's kind of, it's definitely super independent in feel and execution. But yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is the, this is kind of where people expected technology to take us, not to the, the extreme blockbusters where you're pushing your video cards to, uh, you know, the, the, the limits of their capability, but really the democracy of technology where, it becomes so cheap and so widely available that you now have this huge uh, yeah. kind of nebula of uh, uh, of games available to you because everybody can now produce a game. Yeah, I feel Graz and I have played a lot of these tiny indie games now. So we played, God, now I've forgotten what it's called, 30 Flights of Loving, which is all of 15 minutes long, if even that. And it's kind of neat. It is... I don't know. I, I'm loathe to describe anything as not a game. This is limited in its inputs, let's say. <laughs> like, you kind of just move along a path. Which I think is fine. I, I think I have an extremely lax definition of game. <laughs> Where I guess I would say that a game requires you to... A game has a goal and requires player input. And I totally be able to i'd totally be willing to fudge either one of those categories if need be so I'm, I, I'm just saying that i'm very generous with regards to that but anyway so you play this game and it's sort of really just like i don't really even know how to describe it you kind of just walk down these tunnels you're giving really limited information it seems like what has gone down is a heist of some variety but you're just looking at the before and after pictures of it in this really non-linear way. But the weird thing about, or not even the weird thing, but the, the sort of terrible thing about 30 Flights of Loving is that it has a director's commentary mode. And that is the quickest way to ruin anything ever. Because <laughs> you're like walking through there and the guy's like, Ah, in this scene, she's peeling an orange. What do I think about oranges? Well, oranges are sweet. And it's like, this is why you never trust an artist to talk about their art. 
And that's yes, why they've already expressed it. Let it remain sublime. Yeah, exactly. I am. I am a firm believer uh, that art, artistic intent has uh, limited limited value. <laughs> Let's say I don't know. It, it's not completely worthless, but the intent is only one part of the puzzle and a very small one. But sort of a more impactful thing we played was to the moon, uh, which was. I don't know, neat. It's kind of interesting because it is clearly made by somebody of a younger generation than me. And it's just weird to have that feeling finally in my life that I'm like, yep, somebody out there is making video games and they're way younger than I am. <laughs> but the reason I say that, I'm going to sound like I'm completely trivializing this game, but a major plot point is the Animorphs novels. <laughs> And I was like... I don't even know what that Animorphs? is. What? Really? So the only reason I know about it is because Andrew Meyer's little brother had, like, the whole collection of them. <laughs> and he was probably, like, I don't know, six years younger than us? Eight yeah, years younger? Yeah, he was significantly younger than we were. So that's why I'm saying that, like, this guy is probably, like, 24 or something and made this video game that is strangely kind of about growing old and about people's difficulty communicating with other people. And it's actually pretty insightful in some ways. It's certainly an interesting game. It's, it's worth playing. But just to have, like, Animorphs pop out in the middle of them and be like, Animorphs? I love Animorphs! Which led me to thinking that, you know, within 20 years, we will have an American president who read Animorphs as a child. Maybe. Not if I'm still alive, Dave. And that's far more dangerous than a, the president who played video games. <laughs> but maybe that's just my, my own bias starting. And then, like, so when our generation is has finally entrenched themselves in Congress and the Senate, they try and ban Animorph novels. <laughs> and they're like... You won't even have if, to ban them. All that stuff has such a limited shelf life anyway. That's kind of like the, the yeah. goosebumps of our generation, yeah. you know? Yeah, Nobody kind, yeah. reads that garbage anymore. <laughs> I'll have you I'll not have you speak ill of R. L. Stein, Joel. <laughs> uh, but what, I've used this joke basically every time I brought up to the moon and Animorphs. But as far as I'm concerned, the only Animorphs worth considering is the Transformizzle. The Snoop Dogg Animorph, where it says, sometimes to become a lion, one must first be a dog. And then it's just a picture of, tra of Snoop Dogg transforming into a lion. Yes. <laughs> but that has limited to do with uh, Kentucky Route Zero. Well, I mean, it's just, yeah, it only has to do with it because To the Moon is another one of those indie games that's yeah. received a lot of praise. Uh, that game is cool. I'll have to check There's, that out. I mean, as soon as I finished this one, I was kind of on a an indie yeah, game kick, and I thought of, trip. of that one. Well, I got a, I think it was like $2 in the Steam sale over the holiday, so that's why I got it. I, I really like the... It's probably not rotoscoped, but it looks like out of this world. And... That's just a style that I always appreciated, and it doesn't really have much purpose now, it seems, except, I guess, in, in indie games, all the characters are all blocky. Well, I mean, that's, just get... that's, what, that's kind of one of the 
I don't know, one of the things I like about this game, because it, 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 the themes of the past are so strong in it, and then to have it presented in the way that it is, making it the game design and display itself a commentary on the past and where we've come from, I thought that was really mm. cool. Yeah. I don't know, I kind of like how it uh, it puts old school games in the pantheon of Americana. Which is interesting, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, we're all getting older. And eventually <laughs> this stuff is just going to be real. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny to think about it like that. But Yeah, I mean, like, this, like out of this world, you know, maybe 20 years from now, there'll be some public radio equivalent show where they talk about games like Kentucky Route Zero. I th- uh, but they're like, they reference... You know, out of this world. I think they already like the do American that on NPR. Roots. <laughs> the American Roots of video games. Yeah. If, have you ever listened to American Roots? No. No. Because I don't think anybody has. <laughs> I'm sure that there are people on this podcast who will yell at me for saying that, but I have never made it through an entire episode of American Roots. I'm like, oh, Woody Guthrie. Oh, now something I don't care about. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, man. So... Yeah, it's, I know, it's just funny to think about that because I've sort of completely, I don't know, I apply equal merit to like any category of media nowadays. I'm like, this book could very well be as good as a video game or vice versa. And then it's when you get into it, hmm. that that's that's when you start making your distinctions, I guess. And that's sort of how I felt the other day about Ninja Gaiden 3. <laughs> When I got about to the third level of it, I was just like, I was fighting the third boss. And I was just like, I would so much rather be reading a book than playing this video game. (laughs) So I just stopped. (laughs) And I was actually quite proud of myself for making that decision. I was like, no, I'm not going to persevere. This game is not good. Yeah, I'm going to just apply a more meritorious use of my time. How did that happen? Well... I mean, the guy who was good at making those games, which is only arguable because the, Ninja Gaiden 2 wasn't the best game ever. He's, he left. Yeah. So whoever is making Ninja Gaiden 3 is pretty removed from what made Ninja Gaiden 1 so good. And I was just thinking about while I'm playing it, the post I made on the forums or Twitter or one of them, I just said that every boss... Is about firing 10,000 projectiles at you at the same time. Yeah. And I compared that in my head to stuff like the Mirai fight. Just the first boss fight in Ninja Gaiden 1. Where it is so tense and incredibly slow paced. So you're just sitting there kind of wailing on him ineffectually as he blocks you with his nunchucks. And looking for an opening. And he doesn't attack that often. And it's not that crazy hard to dodge. You don't have to do... I guess what I mean is you don't have to do a lot of dodges. Like, you're not constantly running out of the around the arena. You're more like waiting for your chance to dodge. And then from that, hoping to get an counterattack. Whereas the second boss of Ninja Gaiden is a helicopter that shoots about 20 missiles at you at once while it sweeps across the building you're standing on with laser beams. So you have to avoid the laser beams and the 20 missiles and find a way to shoot it with an arrow. 
and it was just so miserable. <laughs> like you feel like you're just running around doing all these dumb things so you can get into a quick time event that shears off a quarter of the boss's life bar. Like you're like, if I just nail him with five or six more missiles, I'll finally be able to tap X and push up to cut off one of his wings and then do the same thing over again, except this time he's going to be shooting way more missiles. And like, I, I streamed the first part of the game, and the first boss is this crab tank where it's got four legs and it's constantly spinning around. It's shooting you with a rocket. It's got a flamethrower, and it sometimes sets out this semi this you know semicircle of electrical energy that you have to stay out of range of, and you have to cut off its four legs. And each time you cut off a leg, it somehow gets harder, which makes sense. But you know, sometimes bosses do that. So as I'm streaming it, and I've died like six or seven times, I realize that the actual solution is to beat every leg to the point where the quick time event starts, but fail the quick time event and leave it alive so that you can just shear off all four legs at once at the end after you've mostly depleted its life bar, and it's still running around doing the easy-to-dodge initial rocket attack. I was like, yeah, this is a pretty fun game you guys made. <laughs> I mean, you sort of broke their code. Yeah. I was like, ah. Yeah, so that game's dumb. <laughs> Actually, on the topic of uh, of visual novel or not visual novels, but, you know, not-so-gamey kinds of games, I played the second course party game, and hooey is that game bad. It is so terrible. I mean, so if you're not familiar, which I presume you are not, Joel, Corpse Party is a game about a bunch of high school students that perform a forbidden ritual that is essentially like a Bloody Mary thing. And it puts them in an alternate dimension where they're in a haunted school that is haunted by murder spirits. Okay. Most of them die. Sounds terrifying. And it's really super anime and kind of moe and a little gross, the first one was. Like, if this is what anime is about, and I don't really know what anime is about anymore because I don't watch that much of it, (laughs) except for what we watch on this podcast and the occasional movie. There's a part in the first game, which the first game I would say is decent. Like, it's pretty good, but it has some stuff that makes you say, I must never tell another human that I played this game. (laughs) And then they're like, unclean, unclean. Yeah, most notably, the main character's younger sister, who is 14 years old. I, fo- I don't like follows, where this is going. Follows her brother around for the entirety of the game. And all of her dialogue is is, is uh, preluded. It's like, you know, before she says anything, she says, Oh, Nissan! And he's like, what? What's the problem? We're in a fucking haunted school. What do you want? And she's like... I gotta pee. And her entire character arc is her trying not to pee her pants. And then, spoilers, she eventually does pee her pants. Dude, that's... I mean, that's a lot of pressure to to have to pee. And then being in a school filled with murder ghosts. <laughs> yeah, but I think I feel like even if I did already somewhere. have to pee, that might happen. Like, I would, like, swallow some spit and I'm it would just, just you know, come out. The That the point... The point I'm trying to make is that anime creators and the creators of this game, which is pretty anime, 
have never, and God willing, never will meet a 14-year-old girl because she <laughs> acts like she is, in fact, six years old. <laughs> but anyway, so that's sort of the worst part of, of this game, which, you know, it's pretty gory. I don't rem- It's got some sort of risque, like, not really sexy bits, but there's a bit, like, too much. So is much, this like, like an adventure game? What are you doing when you're playing yeah, this it's, game? So it's, it's kind of like Other than, you know, fighting off your own sense of shame. It's an RPG where there's no battles. So you walk around in an RPG mode, and you explore the school. It's essentially an, R- an adventure game that plays like an RPG. And it's kind of neat, and, you know, there are some parts that make you cringe a bit, but overall it's fine. And so this, this follow-up game is completely a visual novel. Like, it's mostly narrated. There, occasionally you, you are in this first-person mode, and you click on stuff. And it is side stories or like retellings of stuff that happened in the first game which means that all the characters who died you already know they're gonna die the point of this game is to kill them as brutally as possible and make you watch and juxtapose some sex in there with the gruesome murder if at all possible i am not exercising any sort of hyperbole when i say that this game left me profoundly disturbed at points and not in like a good way not in like the spec ops the line like hmm you know that commentary was interesting it was more like who is the human being that could stand to make something like this and why would they do it because there are other human beings that will readily consume it and they lack the it's- drive to even make the garbage it's, it's too hard for me to imagine, even imagine, the sort of person who wants to consume it or create it. Like, the 14-year-old Peter Pants girl makes a reappearance, and this time, the, the more bashful in, in our audience may want to cover their ears. Let's all wait. Okay, so this time, <laughs> she, spends, she spends fully a third of the chapter of her like little standalone chapter trying to find a place to hide her piss-soaked panties. And this is a video game. Oh, that's gross. And then... Why wouldn't you just leave them in a hallway? Why does it matter? Yeah, why, did, why does that need to be the subject of a video game? Oh, God. And that is not the only reference to pee in this game, because as a different girl is watching someone be murdered, she describes how she begins to piss herself uncontrollably. And like God, the the use of language in this game is insane. I I just started writing stuff down on my phone as I read it because I'm reviewing it for ANN. So I wanted to have like a just a stable of stuff that I could reference directly in quotations to be like this is what this game is describing. And even the stuff that isn't directly about murder, it's just like like they describe things like thick mucus like constantly. They talk about corpses that are out in the rain and melting from the rain and described for like three paragraphs about somebody reaching into a decapitated head's mouth to get out a key out and the, they discover by touch that the mouth doesn't have a tongue in it. It's just so foul mm. and completely unnecessary. And, and somebody has clearly never heard that like brevity is the soul of wit, I guess. But that well, that's is... not really the point. They're not going for wit. They're doing the whole kind of... I don't know, girl fascination with death yeah. and sex stuff. You, you know, it really would not offend me if the 
the death and sex things were not so like inextricably juxtaposed. Like one scene they're talking about, oh, you've got breasts, don't you? You're pretty well developed for a 13 year old. This is a conversation <laughs> that somebody's having in a video game. And then the next scene, the 13 year old's legs get cut off. Well, I mean, Dave, are you really that surprised? We watched Elfin Lead. Dude, it's so much worse. Could it I be? Think it's, Could it be? It, I think it's... Okay. Is one of the characters going back and forth between a telekinetically uh, empowered demon that delimbs everybody in sight to a invalid that pees on themselves? I guess no. Those two characters are completely separate <laughs> in this game. I, the problem that I have is exclusively... Maybe this is just... I have too good of an imagination, but the, just it's just it's strictly the words they use. Like the vocabulary is so foul and distasteful. Like I've never experienced anything like the revulsion I I experienced while playing this game. When so after the girl discards her pea-soaked panties, you have to spend about 40 minutes hanging out with her while she escorts the main antagonist ghost around, which is like an eight-year-old girl. And she's like, oh, you know, you're a ghost, but you seem like a nice girl, so yeah, I'll help you out. And the antagonist ghost girl, who we know is terrible, but the character in the game is like, oh, you're probably just a regular ghost or whatever, is like, you know, constantly like heckling her and making her go into rooms where like a pool full of bodies that are just rotting and it's describing maggots and shit and then at the end of the episode the <laughs> character gets its her head exploded with a giant hammer and then it shows you the back of her exploded head as it talks about her head being exploded and i'm just sitting there like what was the point of making me read that like of making these fictitious characters just suffer for my amusement because that's what it is because there's this really just creepy voyeurism about it that you know we know that they're fucked because we've already seen half these guys die in the previous game so really the only thing wait so this isn't even a new narrative it's just sort no, of no it's the same thing well this, that is also sort of the other thing this seems to be sort of a running trend in japan with these independent games is that somebody has an idea for a game story like 15 years ago and then they just ceaselessly remake it in the form of like other games and anime and manga and stuff like that and they never really make something particularly new it's just sort of different permutations of the same formula at best and sometimes it's like this game where it's just the same story uh where what you are doing is watching from the alternate perspective of characters who didn't get a lot of screen time to see how they were murdered or, in some cases, what-if scenarios where characters who didn't get murdered do get murdered just for fun. <laughs> it's just, like, so gross. Yeah. Well, and, it, and if I could bring it back to the original game we were talking about, which is so much better than what you're describing right now. Yeah. I was actually going to say, yeah, I kind of wish the term visual novel wasn't loaded with so much baggage. Because yeah. that's what Kentucky Route Zero actually feels like. Yeah. It's a game... With themes, uh, you know, maybe not the tightest narrative in the world, but subtext, and it's something you can kind of sink into, and involves reading. This is absolutely the best, uh, maybe, idealization of a visual novel yeah. 
that has I don't know. Like when I heard that term the first time, I was like, "Hey, I wonder what that means." And then somebody told me, and I was like, "Oh, you just meant shit when you said visual novel. You meant shit, <laughs> and instead well, you called thing. it visual novel." I am though I have not experienced them. Well, I guess I uh, there's stuff like the the nine 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 and Virtue's Last Reward, which are visual novels and are not. Are those really? I thought gross those were more like porny. adventure games because nine 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 they say has like multiple endings and you're doing these different path type things. Well, are yeah, all visual novels that way? Kind of. Yeah, I think the key component of visual novels is that you spend most of your time reading and clicking through text. I guess that's true. If somebody replies, can I just say right now? If anybody tries to clarify my understanding of the visual novel in the comments of this podcast, you are wasting your time. <laughs> so anyway, my, my point being that even, even if you extract those problems, the primary worst problem of visual novels is that they never shut up. They say the same thing like five times. And that is something that is pervasive. In everyone that I've experienced, which by this point is actually a fairly substantial number, that is something that Kentucky Route Zero doesn't have a problem with. Like, it just says things one time, and it turns out that's all you have to say. Like, whenever we were on the ANCAST, however long ago, and I was talking about Virtue's Last Reward, when they say, they can't just say, like, he punched me and I fell down. Obviously, I'm not saying that, like, language has to be that simple, but what a virtual no- or visual novel does is like, he hit me in the shoulder. My shoulder recoiled because it hurt so much. I fell on my ass. I could still feel the pulsing of his fist in my shoulder. I looked at my shoulder, and there was an indent from where his fist hit me in my shoulder. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, just get on. This is why your games are 35 hours long. It really makes you wonder, like, at this point, wouldn't you have been better served by reading a book? Yeah, well, that's kind of the old refrain. I feel like you would have gotten more places. That's actually exactly You'd actually be able to talk to people at a party about what you did. Because you can't bring up the visual novel you just played. Yeah. And if you do, get out of that party. That's actually, that's exactly how I felt after finishing Corpse Party. I was like, well, I was two-thirds of the way through Canical for Leibowitz. I'm pretty excited to get back to that. Let me just go. Yeah, a canticle for Leibowitz is sort of like the shower your imagination needs. Yeah. After something like that. Oh, look at this! A just fully realized world. That, He'll talk that to you about has... that forever. He could, he'd get a total kick out of that. Just be like, here, let me ruin your weekend, Jay. Yeah. You thought we were friends. Yeah. It's like, nah. But you would have to like chain it to him. There's like there's a bomb if if you don't complete right. a corpse party chapter every two hours it explodes. I hope you're a quick reader. Uh, it's, God, it just it left this like indelible stain on my heart, where I it actually made me happy in a way because after having played it, I I thought, well, I'm clearly not completely desensitized to violence. I don't and think it's just violence, Dave. It's not just violence. Yeah, it's totally the combination of violence and sex. Yeah, it's the context. And it's also just this, like, you know what, Japan? Uh, that's, well, you know what, anime, not Japan. I'm not going to try and paint a whole, with a broad brush across a whole Are we, we're, Really? We're not doing that anymore? Come on. Well, I'm going to try and restrict myself. So, you know what, anime? <laughs> you can have as much sexuality as you want, uh, but... <laughs> 
It cannot be this combination of super chaste slash super lewd at the same time. <laughs> like, if the characters don't know they're participating in sex, then you're not allowed to do it. <laughs> like in this game, like in Corpse Party, when there's two characters taking a bath with each other, and the one character is describing the other character's skin and how smooth it is and how beautiful she is, that has to be gay. <laughs> like, you can't try and act like that's not gay. Yeah. <laughs> or that the characters don't know that they're being gay at that moment. Well, because, like, the, and it's not just that the characters don't know, it's because the point of it is to titillate you. Yeah. So you can't just sort of, yeah, it's not an innocent thing because that's not the point of it. Yeah, it's, that's, if you guys weren't so creepy, if you didn't make things that were so creepy, the sex would be fine. <laughs> it's strictly the fact that you put a samurai sword between a chick's tits and then act like what? Oh, come and on, then all Dave, your you, fans you are mean like. The entire time you were playing Siren and you were trying to save that girl, you weren't thinking about them making out. Yeah, man. That's what I like was doing. Put, I'd like to put my samurai sword between between this I was imagining breasts. him just screaming, hey, over and over again. <laughs> yeah. that's Well, I really enjoyed that you could push siren, or in siren, you could push the triangle button and a contextual menu comes up, like in Maniac Mansion or something. But the only option, for the most part, is shout. Let it all out. And to the, yeah. And to the point that I got in the game, I could not figure a purpose for it. I can't and, even imagine why you would ever want to shout. Well, I guess you want to, you know, distract the zombies, bring them over to a location, and then loop around. But I got to the point where I was playing as some... Why? <laughs> why do you have to distract the zombies? Well, they're smart zombies. They're kind of actually like immortal undead spirits more than zombies. They just happen to be in hoodie form, and they're all carrying sickles. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I didn't. I watched that game for like 15 minutes before your computer crashed. Yeah. And uh, I could not understand any of that character's motivations. By the by, I'm pretty sure it was the hard drive. Oh no! I think I got a dud SSD. You realize that the after 10,000 writes, those things start to degrade in performance. Well, no, this is brand new. Oh yeah, just that sucks. It. I think it's just a dud because. Uh, I don't know. I was just sort of trying to do it by process of elimination. And that is eventually what I came upon. And I'm willing to accept it because it certainly was not the capture card because it was blue screening with things without that. And sometimes you try and read crash dumps and you're like, nothing in this means anything to me. You mean all the time you're reading crash dumps? Once in a while you find something that's actually a fairly explicit like, oh, it's this driver. Yeah. But well, hey, I would uh, try to ghost that and then return that ish to the... I did not even ghost it. It was oh, a brand new Windows install. Like It would probably take me longer to ghost it than it would to download Chrome and Prince of Persia, which were the only two things <laughs> on it. Well, I mean, as long as you got the essentials. Yeah. Well, Prince of Persia 2008. That can, was you really me that in a, can you send me that as an attachment? I'm just going to open it with Prince of Persia. <laughs> Wait a minute, this is my resume. You said you would read it. Sorry, I'm playing Prince of Persia. Send me my W-2. Is this in Prince, Prince of Persia, Persia. format? You, know, you have to follow your taxes on time. The government is going to garnish your wages. Sorry, I'm playing Prince of Persia. Let's see them garnish my Prince of Persia. They get 15% off the top of all sweet jumps you make. <laughs> 
15% off the top of your restorative sand. It's like, oh man, every time I use a vial of sand to rescue myself from the brink of certain death, I gotta give 15% of that to the government. So, before we go, I guess I, I should mention, I should call out the names of people who have contributed. Such as Cassidy and Jeremy, who bought stickers. And then George and Andrew... Andrew Geyer, which I thought was interesting. I was like, that's a strange name. That's desperately close to somebody I know. Uh, both were big spenders with the sticker and the shirt. Is this a sticker renaissance? It may be. What? Oh, God. Why did I say George? I'm so racist. His name is Jorge. Uh, I just read it phonetically. <laughs> no, I know a guy who spells his name that way but goes by George. So hmm. you may be on firmer footing than you imagine. Well, I don't want to presume anything. but uh, And he says, hey, guys, how about another music pad podcast? The last time you guys did it, I added a few songs to my workout playlist, which is sort of the intent. And the workout playlist was like a time-honored tradition. It's true. Of uh, Jerry and Scabs, especially, I feel, would like spend hours in the mines like crafting the perfect workout playlist and be like, surely this time we have reached peak workout playlist. I've got the song from Berserk. I've got the song from Once Upon a Time in China. <laughs> uh, what's funny is. If anybody in the gym figured out what they were listening to. Yeah, they would beat them up. <laughs> they would pillory them. <laughs> it's not like they would get beat up, but it would just be so weird because Jerry worked out so hard Yeah. to the song from Berserk. Yeah, it's like to the song from 2 times 2 equals Shinobu Den. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Kuru Kuru Rin, Jerry, really? It's like, whatever, know, man, just... that's how you get the pump. Just gets me so pumped. That's when I chooka, need the chooka. juice. Hiya! <laughs> All right. Uh, so shall we stop? Uh, I guess maybe. I, I just want to re-emphasize: Kentucky Route Zero is inexpensive and almost certainly worth checking out, even if you think you won't like it. Uh, go ahead and take that plunge. I'll put something in, in front of this, maybe if I bother saying this got some spoilers. Don't listen to this before you play Kentucky Route Zero because yeah, go it's got some spoilers. Well, it's like it's almost like I can't even. It's a, it is at once a game that can't be spoiled because it's so bizarre that you have to experience it. But on the other hand, by describing any part of it, you've spoiled something essential to the experience of Kentucky Route yeah. Zero. Man, I want to see them miners now. Yeah, you got to go back to the miners are. Yeah, I I don't even know what kind of struck me to do that. I was just like, I'm going to turn out the lights. Get this ghost thing on because I like to be afraid. No, I don't. I'm not going to no, be able to go to the I'm bathroom so later tonight because it's I'm dark. So <laughs> uh, I guess I will pause to say that Nino Cooney is pretty hot. Oh, just don't even. That. Why you got to front on me like that? <laughs> Never going to be bad. able to play that game I want to play so bad. It's pretty fun. I love like the dude. I got to go back to the forums and actually blow the guy up that said something about modern Ghibli movies being totally worthless. It's so like, what's your definition of modern? Because Princess Mononoke is pretty modern. Yeah. And then also, so uh, I mean, what was the last one that came out? It wasn't that bad. I don't think I watched it. Ponyo? Ponyo, yeah. Was it's, that the most recent one? Yeah, it's definitely yeah, a kid's movie, it. but it's definitely not a terrible movie. It wasn't mm. a waste of his time at all. So. Well, I don't, I don't know. think it, 
I guess he said how good and not underwhelming could it have really been. That's what I'm saying. That's the hate. He's putting the hate on it. And I'm I like, feel like Floating like, Castle eh. wasn't that good, okay? There, I said it. I'm more upset with Nanatsu, who was like, <laughs> the Georama's kind of interesting. I hope they add more to it. And I was like, there's Georama in this game? <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> and then he was like, that was a joke. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was a joke. Uh, <laughs> and then I went and cried. Because that's the only thing it needs is Diorama. Dude, yeah. I would go out it, and buy a PlayStation 3 just to play this one game. It's pretty good. I, hope I they really like it. that you're wandering around the world and you've got this wizard book. And as you talk to people, they'll be like, here, take a couple spells. And then you look in the book, and the pages with the spells on them are now in your book. And you can page through the whole book if you want. And like I said on the forums, it has short stories, so it is immediately Joel White approved. Yeah. I'm sorry, you'll never be able to play it. I just Googled Nino Cooney PC, and I was like, wait, Google already knows what I'm trying to type. Maybe, maybe, no, it's a GameFAQs <laughs> thread. <laughs> they're like, they're they're Japanese RPG makers. They're like, what MPC? <laughs> yeah, I would buy like five copies. <laughs> Just do it, please. The only RPGs that come out on PC are games like Corpse Party. They, like, Hey, man, they creator. ported dead, uh, Dark Souls. That's true. That is crazy. They that ported that it. It had to get freaking modded so they didn't look like garbage, but they did it. Yeah. Keep holding out hope. Maybe Swings Eternal. You can do it. You just gotta believe. Now, what I gotta just... do is I'm gonna write myself a note. Dear Joel, five years from now, after the PS4 has come out, buy a PS3 to get Nino Cooney. I know you'll be 35. Just do it. <laughs> That's your time capsule. The yeah. only thing in there is that and a cheesesteak. <laughs> like, well, cheesecake destroys the note. It's all like, gummed up with grease and it just disintegrates <laughs> in my hand. What no, was I tried to tell How could myself? you betray me? Our love was so strong. Oh, man. Hey, can I do a five-minute hate on Kotaku? What's up with this the most crap they keep doing? I don't know. I don't, I don't really read Kotaku anymore. But... I go there. And it's so like this one is the most atmosphere post-apocalyptic video game worlds. Oh, I just... Yeah, so I see it. What? That doesn't uh... even make sense. That's the dumbest thing. Like the most atmosphere... Whatever. But then included in the list is Borderlands 2. That's an alien planet. There hasn't it's... been an apocalypse. <laughs> it's pretty dusty, though, am I right? It's just the desert. It's also not that atmospheric. Even 2. I mean, 1 was pretty bad because it was pretty much just brown the whole way well, through. It's also great that they include Fallout New Vegas. And their example is a guy in cowboy garb after the supposed post-apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, so super like, atmospheric. You're like, you're like, things are pretty good, right? You got cowboys again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that made me so angry, but when I read it, I was just like, come on! Tokyo Jungle. The Dark World in Dark Seed 2. I feel like that's really just their, uh... Hey, guys, this is clever. Like, I bet you never heard of this game. Legends of Zelda? Yeah, dude, because that was a, the world got flooded. That was the whole conceit yeah. of the Wind Waker. I guess... I don't care. I'm done talking about it. This is the end of the five minutes of hate. 2300 AD and Chrono Trigger. Sometimes I say, uh, but you're still hungry. 
like when you go into the Anertrons <laughs> yeah. and Chrono Trigger, and that never gets a response out of anybody I'm near. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I still say, uh, to talk Azul under my breath. <laughs> well, it's like little. The, the fragments of what were, that would be in my Kentucky route zero. Yeah. What is the password to this machine? No rush. 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you broke down the Zerg rush. The kid on the form. It's He's like, like is this Zerg what they call a Zerg rush? You were like, let, let me let me set you straight, kiddo. <laughs> I mean, did anybody even build Ultralisks in Brood Wars? I feel like if you did that. I'm sure there were strategies that involved them, but I was never privy to any of them. <laughs> I feel like if you were playing against a Zerg player that got uh, Ultralisks, you had lost badly. Yeah, well, they didn't seem very good. Yeah, they were melee, and it didn't really take that much, like... Yeah, it seemed take, like for the amount of armor out. and health they had, they could get taken out pretty quickly. And it's not like you were building 12 of them at a time. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they're strats. My StarCraft games didn't tend to last more than 15 minutes. <laughs> I feel like, like even 15 minutes is pretty generous. <laughs> at that point, probably just quit. Yeah, because <laughs> I can just get bored. Like, uh, I'm not really so much into this resource management game. <laughs> I'm more into the Zerg source management game where I build six Zerg and then kill you with them. Yeah. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I never really liked StarCraft that much. Yeah. And I never really learned how to play it. I, and I, some have called me a StarCraft player player <laughs> because I am playing you. I invented trolling in StarCraft. <laughs> Nobody knew what it was before I invented it. So I'm going to claim the copyright. All right, let's clap. Let's sue people. Okay, clap. Alright, one, two, three. Okay. Wow, that clap sounded really in sync. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it works out. Yeah. You know, high fives on the clap. <laughs> Alright, I'm. Good work all around, team. Good clap. <laughs> Good work. It's just the desert.